Welcome to the Crop Insurance Podcast, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of crop insurance. I'm your host, Mike Rydell, third generation crop insurance agent, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this educational journey. At our family owned and operated business, we've been providing crop insurance expertise for generations. Our goal here is simple, to educate our listeners. Crop insurance can be complex and overwhelming, but I believe that understanding it is crucial for every farmer. So whether you're a seasoned farmer looking to stay updated or a newcomer seeking guidance, this podcast is for you. Let's take a moment to thank some of our sponsors of the Crop Insurance Podcast. Our title sponsor, the McMeal Insurance Agency, are probably your greatest insurance agents ever. They specialize in federal crop insurance and have since 1979. To visit their website, go to www.mcmealinsurance.com greatestagencyever.com. The McMeal Insurance Agency is a proud partner with the CropWest Insurance Group. All right, so for today's episode, we're going to do Livestock Risk Protection Part 2, or a little LRP Part 2. So these are some of the questions that I had when looking at LRP and some of the questions that uh, some of our customers had as well. Uh, just trying to help clarify some info from our previous podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back and listen to that episode. Uh, and also, if you haven't checked out our website at thecropinsurancepodcast.com, make sure you check that out as there's a very helpful LRP article on there as well. So one of the questions that comes up is number of cattle and how that affects the loss at the end of the insurance period. So if you have, let's say, a 1,000 head of cattle and you only insure 500 head of them, you still do need to specify, you know, X number are heifers, X number are steers, and so on. Uh, But as long as you sell the minimum of what you insured on your contract, then you're okay. So in other words, if you're not insuring 100% of your herd, you do have a little bit of a buffer in terms of meeting the requirements of the contract or the endorsement uh, because you have more cattle than you insured. Another part of LRP is this 60-day window that we talked about in terms of the disposition of the livestock. So keep in mind that this is on the front side. There's no requirement to sell within that 60 days uh, after the end of the insurance period. It's only referring to on the front side of it. So if you dispose of your livestock before the 60-day window starts from the end of the insurance period, you're going to have some issues there. So it's that front side is what we're talking about in terms of that 60 days. Another part of that, when we talk about dispose of your livestock, if you do sell your animal prior to 60 days before the end date of the endorsement, you know, no indemnity is going to be due. Uh, you can look to do a transfer of rights to the new buyer, if you wish, just like a transfer of coverage in terms of, if you think, normal crop insurance. So that option is available as well. And again, there's no requirement to have to sell the animals by the end date of the endorsement for feeder cattle. You know, it allows you to sign a certified statement noting that your your cattle did in fact meet the definition of marketable. So they hit their weight. You did in fact own them, etc. on the end of that insurance period. So sometimes 
ranchers will keep their cattle after that and uh, keep them for a longer period of time and then market them elsewhere. So that is available. There's no requirement to sell during that 60-day period. But if you sell before it, that's going to start to have some issues uh, with your policy. Another issue that can come up is theft. So theft is not covered under this policy regardless. You still need to notify the carrier within 72 hours to let them know what's going on, but they're not going to pay you for those stolen cattle. Theft is not a covered cause of loss. Your liability will be reduced by the number of cattle stolen, but you will still owe the premium associated with those cattle. So it's kind of a double whammy, but theft is not covered. Another thing that comes up is government seizure in terms of the disposition of your cattle. You know, as long as a carrier is notified within 72 hours of the seizure or mandatory liquidation due to the animal health reasons, then you're still eligible for the full indemnity amount of the head and the premium is still due. You still need to notify the carrier within 72 hours though. We're gonna say that a lot during this episode. 72 hours is key anytime anything happens to your cattle where you dispose of them or your livestock. Whenever you dispose of them, you have to let the carrier know within 72 hours. Now, if during the insurance period, some of your cattle die for various reasons, if you notify the carrier within 72 hours, most likely will not have an effect on your policy. They'll still go through and carry out the probable indemnity. If there is one, uh, it's not going to affect the amount of head lost, won't reduce your policy. You're still going to have the same liability, the same premium is going to be due, but you have to notify the carrier or your agent in this case within 72 hours. Like I mentioned earlier with the transfer of indemnity or the transfer of rights, that really comes into play if you do this, do that prior to the 60-day window, right? If you do it prior to the 60-day window, then you can do this transfer of rights or transfer of coverage to the person who purchased them from you, and then they're going to carry that policy through to the end. Now, you're still going to be responsible for the premium if they do not pay it, uh, but they, they, they should pay it as you're going to talk to them about that as well because they could potentially collect loss because they're now the owners of it. They're just going to sort of inherit your policy. It's just a matter of letting your agent know and getting that paperwork done. Anytime anything is sold within that 60-day window, you, the rancher, is going to be eligible for the probable loss. Now, you're still going to have to pay the premium. You are still going to want to make sure that they weigh on average the minimum weight that you signed them up for. Uh, the premium, the loss could all be payable to you anytime it's within that 60 days. So let's say your livestock don't make weight. Well, there is not a penalty for weighing more. There's no change to your coverage there. But if your livestock weigh less and that throws in them into the price adjustment factor, there's a bunch of calculations they're going to perform that will reduce your liability or reduce your loss at the end of the day. And so that's why it's important to have your livestock hit that target weight, or at least when you sign up for the policy, you're going to know what you normally hit in terms of your target weight. And the premium won't be reduced. If they reduce the liability because your livestock weighed less, 
and in theory your liability is going to be less and so your premium would have been less when you started the policy that doesn't matter in that scenario your premium won't be reduced it's still going to be the same premium that you agreed to when you signed up for the policy one big rule of thumb in regards to the premium is that once you sign up for the policy you are on the hook for the premium no matter what the only reason that you would not be the one paying the premium or in other words, the person who signed up for the policy would not be responsible for the premium. The only reason that would ever be the case where they don't have to pay it is if they transferred the rights of indemnity or the transfer of coverage to the new owner, then they would be paying the premium. But at the end of the day, you're always on the hook for the premium when you sign up for the policy. In regards to the premium, it's always billed the first of the month following the end of the endorsement, regardless of when you actually sell or dispose of the livestock. So when you sign up for your coverage, your disposition date that's on the policy, the first of the month that follows that is when they're going to send out the billing statement. And on that billing statement, they're going to show the actual end due date. And if you have a potential loss, you could look at having that premium deducted from that loss. These are all conversations you're going to want to have with your crop insurance agent at that time. So you make sure that you do not miss the deadlines in regards to paying your premium. So these were just a few of the questions that we received, a few of the questions that I had in looking at LRP, and a few of the things I've heard come up from conversations with different producers around the state in different areas. If you have any other specific questions, do not hesitate to reach out and let me know. I'm always here to answer your questions as best I can. Uh, if I don't know the answer, I can certainly help you find somebody that does. From my family to yours, thank you very much for listening. I sincerely hope that this presentation has been instrumental in enhancing your understanding of federal crop insurance. If you find value in our podcast, we kindly encourage you to subscribe and spread the word among your friends and neighbors. To access further information, please visit our website at thecropinsurancepodcast.com where you'll find the latest podcast episodes, articles, and exciting new features conveniently located in one place. This information is not all-inclusive and is meant to be used only as general guidelines for educational purposes. For additional information, please see Crop Provisions, reference the Crop Insurance Handbook or Loss Adjustment Manual, or contact your crop insurance agent. This institution is an equal opportunity provider and employer. Thank you.